There was a certain rich man, and there was a certain poor man, whose name was Lazarus. In the name of Jesus, what's in a name? Depends on the name. God's name, your name, anyone's name. This parable, is it a parable? It is. Context proves it is. This parable is not about the proper use of wealth. The first clue to that is the names, which is a piece to this parable that we often brush over. The final clue comes at the end. They have Moses and the prophets. If they don't listen to them, neither will they be convinced when someone rises from the dead. More here than just how to spend your money. There was a certain rich man and there was a certain poor man whose name was Lazarus. What's in a name? As far as this parable is concerned, everything. When you consider the names, everything else in the parable begins to make sense. And really, it all comes down to this. Those whom the Lord helps are helped, saved forever. The Lord helps. That's Lazarus, or Eliezer. Same name, different languages. Literally, his name means, God is my help. What about the rich man? He has no name. Sometimes, he is called Dives, which is just Latin for rich, but in the parable Jesus tells, he's nameless. He's just a certain rich man. How rich? Very. He dressed in purple and fine linen. He had clothes fit for a king, as Proverbs 31 tells us. Clothing that also matched the material used to build the tabernacle or make the clothing for the high priest's vestments, as Exodus tells us. Not only that, he feasted sumptuously every day. That is, every day at his house was like a fancy, swanky dinner party. And if he had all this wealth, he surely would have had his name on many things, many deeds, lots of property, lots of things, lots to his name. Everyone would have known his name. Maybe he was even a pillar of the community, but Jesus leaves that aspect to our imagination. No class warfare here. We are all wealthy by the standards of Jesus' day. Yet in spite of all the rich man's things, all his fine clothing, all his feasting and partying, he has no name. Why is this rich man nameless? Well, to help us understand that, we've got to look at the other character in Jesus' story. We need to consider Lazarus. Lazarus 
had nothing. He was nothing by worldly standards. He was a beggar, covered in nothing but sores. He was better off dead. His only friends were dogs who licked his sores. Dogs in Jesus' day uh, were not considered household pets. They were vermin who hung out with the dying, the dead. But yet, he's named. It's not a matter of station or class or what you can do or offer or what you own, have owned, will own. There's no need to make a name for yourself. No legacy needed. We care about such things too much. Deeds and titles and ownership stuff. We care about how our name will live on in this life. But none of that matters. It's all a matter of whether or not God knows your name. Jesus kept quiet about the rich man's name and mentioned the other name of of the poor man. The rich man's name would have been thrown around in his life, but God kept quiet about it. The other man's name was lost in silence, yet God spoke it. Don't be surprised. God is just reading out what was written in his book. You see, God, who lives in heaven, kept quiet about the rich man's name because he did not find it written in heaven. He spoke the poor man's name because he found it written there. Indeed, he gave instructions for it to be written down. Or to use language from elsewhere in Scripture and tie it to the parable, Lazarus' name was found written in the Lamb's book of life. He was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. He was a true son of Abraham, unlike the rich man. Paul says that those who believe are Abraham's offspring. After all, Abram believed the Lord, and he counted it to Abraham as righteousness. But it's not just that Abraham believed out of the blue. It had to do with what the Lord said, promised, and did. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. That's what the Lord is and what he promises. He keeps his promises. That's how he helps and he saves He is the shield. He is the great reward which is received by faith alone. Those whom the Lord helps are helped, saved forever. The Lord acted for Abraham's benefit. The Lord called Abram not on the basis of Abram's good deeds. Abraham actually believed in the false gods of the Ur of Ur, a city of the Chaldeans. That's where he was from. But the Lord had made a promise to save mankind, and so he kept that promise through Abraham. 
And so he called Abraham to faith and kept him in the faith unto life everlasting using his continual promises. Promises where he says, in you, in your offspring, the promised Savior, all nations of the earth will be blessed. In the parable, Lazarus was brought to Abraham's bosom, his side. And that's just a roundabout way of saying God's presence. And if the rest of scriptures are to believe, then, well, Lazarus got there by faith alone. He was kept believing and trusting in what Yahweh, the Lord, did for him rather than what he could or did offer the Lord. Lazarus, his name is your comfort today. The way it was for him in Jesus' parable is the way it really is for you. The Lord acts as your shield and your reward. He helps you. He saves you. He is the shield against your sins and your suffering, even your death. He is your eternal reward. His cross and his empty tomb are the fulfillment of all his Old Testament promises. And now nothing changes the fact that you are known, known by name. It's all in the Lord's name. You are baptized. That's where you were placed into God's name, where his naming you in his book was made yours here and now. That's why you're saved. And baptism does that. As Peter himself says, baptism now saves you. The psalmist says, if riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Those things have your name all over them. Don't trust them. Cling to them. You have God's name all over you. You're baptized. That, that means he's helped you. He has saved you. Cross, death, and resurrection. Nothing can undo Jesus' Calvary or his empty tomb. And so nothing can undo the promises he made to you in holy baptism, where his cross and his empty tomb were given you, as Paul says in Romans 6. Nothing can undo God's name that he gives you for free. You could exchange it for your stuff, like the rich man, but that ends in your eternal ruin. What are you afraid of losing? That's your false god. There's no protection, no shield, no lasting reward there. But the Lord has claimed you as his own. You are his reward. You are his heritage. As we said in the psalm, as we'll sing shortly in the Te Deum, you are the Lord's heritage, that is, his inheritance. 
What does the Lord want to inherit? You. The Lord then named you with his name at the font, even as the Son of God died and rose for you. This is how he helps and saves, and those whom the Lord helps are helped, saved forever. There was a certain rich man, no name rich man, maybe priest, maybe king, doesn't really matter. Who's Lazarus? Him whom God helps? Child of God. One clothed in purple and fine linens, one covered only with sores, but he was clothed with something far more precious than anything in this world, God's own righteousness that covered all his sins. The rich man was covered by nothing except his riches and his own personal righteousness, which, as Isaiah says, are filthy rags. You are clothed in Christ's righteousness by holy baptism. You are known. You are died for. You are risen for. You are baptized. And so now, no matter what your name is, your baptismal name, no matter your circumstance in life, you can rejoice. You can believe that you are a little Lazarus. That is, one who has been helped. And those whom the Lord helps are helped, saved forever. In the name of Jesus.